Welcome, my friends, to the Bomb Brad Podcast. My name is Mike Keenitz, and today I'm interviewing Ben Patrick, or better known as Knees Over Toes Guy. Today we are actually going to be talking about his mother's routine that she follows, and she is almost 70 years old, and she went from having some hip pain, hard to kind of get out of bed, to now she has full function in her legs, and she can even do some sprinting. So we're going to talk about some of the staple exercises Ben preaches and how older adults can incorporate it into the routine all right welcome back to the program ben patrick thank you for joining us today honored to be here thank you so would you mind giving us a little information about your background and the origins of your methods absolutely i grew up trying to be a basketball player as a shorter guy someone who naturally can't jump high so i was trying all kinds of stuff to get an advantage and thought that if I just worked hard enough, that would make me better. And there was some truth in that, but my knees ended up wearing down really fast. So I had chronic knee pain from 12 years old and it just kept getting worse and worse. So by the time I was 18, I had a partially artificial left kneecap, left meniscus transplant, left quad tendon repair. And my right knee was even worse because I had more diagnosed tears in the right one. But by that point, I didn't have anyone recruiting me for basketball. I didn't want to have more surgery. I was on painkillers as it was, which really started up by going the surgery route and then the ramifications after that. That was when I started my knees over toes journey. So I I saw something that stuck out to me from an Olympic trainer named Charles Poliquin. And it was along the lines of the athlete whose knee can go farthest and strongest over the toes has the least chance of knee injury. And I had always been taught don't let your knee over your toes don't let your knee over toes don't bend below 90 degrees and so because of my experiences when i heard that i knew oh wow that's true now since then it's been uh, 13 years of figuring out okay well how do we make that like safe and gentle to get ability with the knees over toes to get ability when deep bending the knees and that's brings us to now how tall are you? I've obviously we've never met in person, so I'm just curious. I'm six one, which is which is great, but for basketball, <laughs> I'm only five ten. You're taller than me. <laughs> yeah, but for basketball, six one. If you're six one, and you can't jump, it's almost every other guy on the court is getting higher than you. So you're like trying to figure out how do you get higher. Which, if you don't understand knees over toes, you end up beating up your knees. Yeah. So where can people find out more information about you? Um, knees over toes guy. If people like to read, start on Amazon. Knee ability zero. Don't need any equipment. That book has helped a lot of people. I try to give away everything I know on YouTube free. I've still never turned on the ad money. Plenty comes back to me in people who then want to read my books, do my programs online, atgonlinecoaching.com or buy the equipment that I make. I make a lot of stuff now to make this process easier. That's atgequipment.com. But I don't hold any knowledge back. You can look knees over toes guy on YouTube. Everything in my head is on there. Yeah, I've watched many of your videos on there. I also follow your Instagram a lot. That's where I get a lot of your snippets from. Oh, sweet. Very informative. Oh. All right. 
So the main point of this podcast is actually to talk about your mother because our demographic is primarily 55 plus. So would you mind saying what your mom's name is and her age for our audience? My mom, her name is Celia and she's 69. She'll be 70 in April. And she's in some of your videos. I've seen her before. Yeah, I put her in a lot of videos. It wasn't intentionally planned out, but when she was about 65, she's having a lot of hip problems. And I was already had a gym in town and was training people and was stumbling upon things that was like, well, not only does this help a young athlete not have pain, but there's really no limit to how much it regresses. So she was willing to give me a shot somewhat reluctantly, but then found, oh, wow, this actually is a really gentle system. And as the years went on, we just noticed compared to other people her age, all of a sudden her mobility looked incredible. She can sprint. Um, so it's been helpful to have her in videos to show, you know, if, if anything, this is more valuable once you're in your 60s than for the average person in their 20s because that loss of mobility just affects your life more as you get older. Yeah. So before your mom started working with you, what was her background and fitness level like? No specific background in fitness. Played sports growing up, liked to run when she was younger, ended up just settling down as a mom. My parents uh, manage commercial office space together. She does the leasing. So on the phone, doing physical projects, but no like specific. I didn't grow up with her doing some specific fitness thing. She would just be generally active with us. So what inspired you to start teaching your mom your methods? I guess the hip pain, I'm guessing. Yeah. Like she was struggling to get out of bed in the morning and it was just really becoming debilitating uh, for her hips. So it was like, I mean, we just had to try to do something about that. It's really that simple. Sure. So how does your training approach for your mother differ from your typical training methods for younger individuals? That's what's been crazy. It's identical. We do the exact same approach. Really? Me to dunk basketballs and her to have amazing mobility and, and play with my kids now. And she's like able to run with them and squat down and never have to worry about shit with her joints. A identical approach. Is I'd, the... I'd be happy to show you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're going to get into that. So the next question kind of gets into that. So can you share some of the specific exercises routines that you've found to be most beneficial for your mom? Yeah, definitely. Um, because I was getting this opportunity to talk with you, I tried to really think like, how do I explain this? And I've explained this somewhat similarly, but just newly looking at it. Okay. How do I explain this for longevity specifically? But this is really just exactly what I do. So I'll, I'll position the camera here and I'll also direct you to like where some good um, videos might be. I have filmed thousands of videos on this concept, but you're going to see me walk backward for a second. When you walk backward, you're in a position where your knee is over your toes. So for athleticism, getting stronger in that position, for example, I can crank up resistance. As you saw there, I cranked up resistance to the point I could barely move the belt. Then I lowered a bit and found a good challenge. I do that 10 minutes three times a week. So I do that before my main workouts. I work as hard as I can backward. Some gyms, you might have a sled that you could drag. But the point of what you see there is a fundamentally safe exercise. So my mom, I could put, if I put a thousand pounds on the ground and asked her to drag it, it just wouldn't move, but it wouldn't injure her. 
So is it, so when you go for 10 minutes, you're huffing and puffing, you're feeling leg muscles that you might not have felt in years. You're in that athletic position. You're pushing through your foot every step. You may have done a gym program of leg presses and various things for years and not pushed through your foot, not worked with your knee over your toes. And that's exactly what I do. So I'll put more weight in the sled than her, but she does it three days a week as well. She has a, a sled she takes out to the street. They make some that have internal resistance called torque sleds, T-O-R-Q-U-E. And she pushes it down to the stop sign and then she drags it backward all the way back to her house. So she does like 100 yards down, 100 yards back. I have people do this up to 10 minutes. What I was using there is our own treadmill that has internal resistance. So it's the exact same thing, just at different levels of effort and ability. So that was the thing that got me off painkillers for my knees. That started getting circulations for her hips to heal. So I think of that as like pillar number one of three. If you only knew three things, you would know my system very well. Doesn't matter the age. And as you get older, that becomes even more valid to do this sled or resisted treadmill concept because of how safe it is. There's no weight coming down on you. It's just fundamentally different. Is it cardio? Is it strength? Is it physical therapy? It's all three. You're getting physical therapy efforts. You're getting stronger legs. You're getting cardiovascular benefits. Now I'll show you the second pillar. So I just showed an example of a level of strength and flexibility that I wouldn't just jump anyone into, flat ground, full range of motion. And then I showed scaling that back, elevating my front foot, holding on to something. You could use a doorway. It's like a fully deep squat on the front leg while fully stretching back the other leg. So is that strength training? Is that flexibility training? It's both. It's strength and flexibility at the same time. And anyone who can walk can start these things at some level. You can start doing these deep split squats by elevating the front foot, by holding on to something to assist your strength. So for me, that, that was the number one exercise that got me dunking a basketball, was gaining strength adding weights actually to that and like building such deep leg strength and flexibility at the same time. But that was the one that got my mom over her hip problems. They've never come back. It was that strength through flexibility. We call it strength through length. You could call it strength and flexibility and harmony. Again, if you're, if you look up ATG split squat, ATG is just an abbreviation of aft to grass. It just means in weightlifting speak, it just means going deep. You could call it a deep split squat. Um, if you look up ATG split squat, then you'll see now is that flexibility? Is that strength? It's both. When you're dragging a sled or using a resisted treadmill backward, is that strength? Is that cardio? Is that physical therapy? So pillar one is this ultra safe concept of resisting from the floor rather than from weight coming down on you. So that's sled or resisted treadmill. It's fundamentally different than lifting weights, not better than just different than safer than and allows more of a cardio effort. You can do it for longer in a really smooth fashion. Then pillar number two is this uh, strength through length. You're specifically doing your strength training, but through stretched positions. Those two were really enough for my mom. The third layer is not having weak links. So it just so happens that in exercise science, some things were missed. You had different cultures that created what we now see as exercise science largely influenced by bodybuilding, very largely influenced by powerlifting. Like if you want to see studies on bench squat deadlift, thousands of studies. 
If you want to see a study on an astrograss foot squat, zero studies. If you want to see studies on strengthening that front shin muscle called the tibialis, which I'll go, uh, let's see. All you need for that is a wall. I'll place my phone next to something. So that I couldn't find any studies um, when I realized I probably had a weak muscle here. You try 25 of those tibialis raises, like a reverse calf raise. And most people notice, oh, wow, they haven't trained that muscle before. But when you are trying to play sports or stop running, that's like the first muscle that's un under load before it even gets to your knee. So you're on your toes running. And when you go to break, boom, your heel hits. So if you're like going downhill or trying to stop in sport, boom, your heel hits. The weight shifts from the thighs and calves to the front of the shin. So that muscle starts under your knee. It wraps around to the inside of your foot. So for foot pains and knee pains, that's like your first line of defense. So there's just like a, a crash course in what I do for people. I get them resisting with a sled or resisted treadmill for a good amount of time. Like you get them uh, getting strength and cardio in a knees over toes position safely. Then we start getting stronger through stretch positions. And then for good measure, we make sure that there's no weak links. Sometimes different muscles between the shoulder blades. Um, most people from sitting so much, the like the middle of the back, they can't like extend back very well. There's a variety of commonly weak or tight links just based on what it's like to be a modern human and how exercise culture built up. So those are the three things that if someone wanted to exercise for longevity, like those are the things I focus on with my mom. But the weird thing about it is that's exactly how I train. Those are the exact things that allow me to feel so much lighter when I go run and jump and be able to play basketball without my knees hurting. I just shifted. I was a very hard worker before. I simply shifted how I exercise. And it, I can't really think of anything that falls outside of those three pillars in what I do. And that's just how I exercise now and how she exercises. So for those that don't have a treadmill like you that's not powered, I'm assuming you recommend they can just turn it off and what do you call it, a dead tread or something? Yeah, a lot of people have found that if you go into, I mean, I've done this at least 100 times and at least 90% of the time, if you go into your local gym and you don't turn the treadmill on, so you see your treadmill, you don't turn it on, you walk up to it, you put your butt against it, maybe put a towel because they're not built for this so it might not be comfortable to handle and then you see, does the belt have some resistance to it? And so then you see if you can spin the belt backward with some resistance. And I use about five minutes minimum, 10 minutes maximum. But in that five, 10 minute range, a lot of people have gotten over chronic knee pains just from doing that, just from using their treadmill at the gym. Now, the owner of the gym might say they, they might have a problem with you doing that. Sometimes they don't like you using the treadmill they might think it it'll damage the treadmill i haven't seen damages come from it i'm also pro human over machine so <laughs> uh, if you make your body more fortified but the machine breaks down i'm willing to live i, I can still sleep at night but also bear in mind that the treadmills at the gym with the electricity to do the work for you on average cost thirty six hundred dollars so i make a six hundred dollar treadmill i i wish i could make it even cheaper but it is what it is. You can get more results out of a resisted treadmill that doesn't have the electricity than you can from a treadmill that costs six times more and does more work for you. So uh, 
even just walking backward would be, a, would be a good place to start. If someone was listening to this and even walking is tough, sometimes just straight up walking backward has got people to where then things are balanced out enough that forward walking no longer is a problem for them. And even lower than that, sometimes people who can't walk at all have done this in the pool. So they go to the pool and they walk backward like against the side of the pool so they can balance. And, and I've had people come up to me and, and it was usually someone who was studying this themselves and helped like a parent or a grandparent to be able to walk again, just off backward, 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 backward. And eventually they could walk again. Yeah. I've never thought about the actually doing it in the pool. Cause then you get weighted resistance. It's a good idea. Um, the very lowest would be in a pool, then on land, then adding resistance. Yeah, I know uh, Bob has someone that lives around where he does, and we live, there's bluffs everywhere. And he says, there's this person, he's like, I thought it was really weird years ago, they're just walking around backwards all the time. And they have to go, you know, he's in like a cul-de-sac, so they have to go uphill, but he, they're going backwards. And I'm like, well, oh, that's pretty good. And then going down, obviously, but you have to have a little bit more balance for that. Yeah, I think if someone's in a real fragile level, I wouldn't recommend the hill aspect as much because you still got to come down the hill. I mean, yeah. ideally, ideally you would go up and then someone would like bring you back down to the base. But, but I would still rather do that than nothing. And you would, you would make sure you have a safe footing. You'd make sure you're in a safe area. You would walk backward up the hill. And when you come down, you would just take very small, slow steps. So you don't have like the jarring nature of it. There, there really seems to be something to, are you able to control a position versus it sort of beating you up? So if you're going downhill, kind of plodding downhill, that's what seems to cause less positive adaptation and more breakdown, which is why the idea of going backward just up the hill is actually less. You can get more strength development out of that because you're the one. It's more active versus passively being beaten up. So it's very interesting that the way you would almost the simplest route to rehabilitate a hiker who now can't hike anymore. Very common problem they can't go downhill anymore would be having them go uphill backward. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have your mom do any other exercises from your zero program? I know that program. So I was just curious. Oh, yeah. She, she does it all. Really? Um, she, yeah. She's done every exercise in the ATG system. She does. She has, she kind of made her own program, which we just left on there. I think it's called um, ATG for longevity because she just likes to do, she likes to pepper in exercises through her day. Um, back when I was a starting gym owner and all the way to now, she's the head of our customer service. So she's like, she's the the most caring person I've ever met and, and patient. And so she runs our customer service, but she's at the computer all the time. And she, she loves it. I tell her, you know, I used to tell her all the time, like, you don't have to do this anymore. I can, you know, <laughs> cover you. But she... She likes to, so I just let her do her thing. So she works sitting at a computer all freaking day long, and then she goes and peppers her program in. Like, she'll go pepper things in through the day. Sometimes she'll float around and do the zero programs again, either the knee zero or the back zero. So she's done she's done every exercise in the system many times. I would say that um, because of the nature of sitting at the desk, it's just for her rather than going and doing, like, an hour-long workout, if she's going to sit at a desk all day, she'd rather just do a few minutes here than a few hours later, a few minutes more. When I call her to chat or something, she'll go out and she'll put the phone on her sled and she'll like <laughs> from, from start to finish of our conversation, she'll go do her sled down to the stop sign and back. So that's, that's just how she trains. 
Yeah, I've I've done that program before, and there's some exercises I was fine at, and there, what is what was it? The elephant walks, you call it? Yeah, I'm so bad at those. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good, safe way to start loosening up the posterior of the body. Yeah, I've just I have a tight posterior chain, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, no, I remember reaching out years ago when you did the podcast with Bob, and your mom responded. And I'm so used to getting people's assistance, and she's just like, "Yeah, this is Ben's mom. He says he really likes Bob and Brad." And she just sent this really like caring note, and I, it always like stood out in my mind. That's so. awesome. I love that. I'll I'll show you for your own benefit though. Um, what seems to really loosen things up. I think a part of it is um, sports backgrounds and like modern shoe backgrounds, whether it's dress shoes for work or just your regular Nikes that we all grew up in. They have these big heel cushions. And so it, it, I feel like almost everyone's calf muscles are at least an inch too tight from what they would be if we just were naturally walking around on grass or mud or dirt. And so when that when the posterior of the body stays tight, I like to use something like this, thinking gradually, but like this kind of a concept. Yeah, I get halfway down. <laughs> yeah. And then for you, um, stronger people tend to actually need to add a little bit of resistance to it. So I'm not saying to add an extreme amount of resistance, but like if you had to bend down and pick something up, the back is very capable of handling some light loads in like a rounded stretched position. In fact, I feel less in observing so many clients, I feel less safe for clients backs when the posterior stiffer. Because then when they do get into a, a tricky situation, I find that the stiffer posterior chains, people are more likely to these just like random tweaks. It'll be like, yeah, I tweaked my back like doing weed whacking or something like random and like throw out the back. But I think it starts in the calves. If the calves are tight, then you think like your hamstrings are tight, but you start to really open up those calves. So I would have you, you would actually stretch out your calves on a slant board really good before even getting into your hamstring stretching. And once you get into your hamstring stretching, then you would actually do gentle progressive overload of holding dumbbells that would then stretch out more in like the upper back and, and lower back. And now you'd kind of be fully stretching from your all the way from your calves, all the way up to your neck itself. So a Jefferson curl, but a Jefferson curl in moderation and on a slant board. So a slant board Jefferson curl, you quite literally will feel the stretch from your neck all the way down to your calves. And then you look like someone who's stronger. So I would have you gradually add some loads to that, like up to even up to a quarter of your weight. So like for a for a 200 pound man, 25 pounds per hand over time is usually going to be enough to open up the posterior chain. But if you never if you never tell your body, hey, I need a little strength through these ranges, it tends to just stiffen right back up. Yeah, I yeah, my ankles are my biggest problem. I actually finally had a different PT mobilize one of them because I had an old ankle sprain that really limited my range of motion on it. So it oh, yeah. all makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So I would have you using a, a tibialis bar, loading your ankles, like loading the front of your ankles. Then, then you would like, you would use that and the slam parts. You'd be mobilizing both sides. I'll, uh, we can continue the combo, but I'll, I'll, set that up so someone can see what that looks like and someone can look up um like tibialis bar and you'll see exactly what i'm talking about yeah you're it's another way to exercise your tibialis anterior besides the wall um yeah ankle just, you did earlier yeah i'll just that one will be easier just search tib tib bar it's just an abbreviation but 
that allows you, um, that's a loaded method that allows you to actually like, stretch the front of the ankles. So for past ankle sprains, unless you get that stretch strength deep in that ankle, uh, my right ankle, until those tip bars, until that became a thing, um, my right ankle was still always like, oh, that one's like the problematic one compared to the left from old basketball sprains, which were real nasty sprains. So I was oftentimes it's like, well, it makes sense. Okay, you had this nasty sprain in the past. It's still problematic now. But it's surprising when you then put strength and flexibility in the area, how some of these things can wash away. Yeah, my... Uh... Mine was so long neglected. I actually have like a larger, my, my calf muscles, my soleus is different shaped. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes that's part of it. My, my left knee still looks quite a bit different than my right knee with that, like kneecap, like that, uh, like, I don't even know what material is in there, but it's some sort of artificial material. So you can kind of see it sticking out a bit. So, Hey, it is what it is, but symptom wise, you can often still overcome stuff, even if it's, even if structurally it, it looks a bit off. Yeah. All right. We better get back on topic here. <laughs> what are the key considerations or precautions when designing a fitness program for older individuals? I'm guessing you just have a different starting point depending upon their limitations. Um, there's no age isn't factored in. If we, if we kind of think back on the conversation to how it starts with like, dragging a sled or resisted treadmill backward or walking backward. Um, and then with things like, like how, how exercises for mobility can scale, um, you can assist yourself. You can adjust the mobility of it. There's no age consideration. The consideration is really making sure that every exercise that's taught has a starting point that like any able bodied person can start without pain. And, and effectively exercise at some level. So to me, that's the thing is like, if I'm, if an exercise is going to be in my system, it has to scale pretty much infinitely got to scale. I'm not going to use an exercise. If it, if that exercise doesn't scale to something that people in their 60s, 70s, 80s can do, then to me, there's something off with the exercise. It just, it doesn't resonate with me. So in my system, that's, so it's more how each exercise is taught showing the starting levels of each exercise. And then, different people are going to progress at different paces. So if someone was an older individual and they had concerns or fears of starting a new fitness program or overexerting himself, what would you say to them? Start with the five minutes backward rather than you. There's no such thing as too little. So what's wrong with just doing step one and then forget step two or three, start with step one. Uh, I see this a lot. I see, um, you know, even people will reach out like, all right, I've been, I haven't been exercising for so long. So I'm now going to do this challenge thing that I saw for X amount of days working out this. And it's like, what if you tried? Well, if right now there's nothing. And then, so whether it's, you haven't been exercising or let's say you want to get into like this type of knees over toes and mobility training. Now what's wrong with going from a zero to a one and, not in just some cheesy way, but in a legitimate way of like, that's good. Like do that one at a, at, you know, with full intention and focus, recover from that, then do the next part. And the next part, the way the body works is you have a better chance of making it to a 10. If you go one, two, three, four, five, six, you go from zero to then a hundred percent on a new fitness program or something like that. 
you're actually reducing your chances of getting the goals of that program. So that's what I would say is that it's, it's not like there's pressure on how much you do start with the lowest level of it. See, see how much gains you can get just out of that level. Then add the next one. Maybe you could get quite, maybe you get weeks or months of gains just off the first step. Then you could add the second step and so on. It doesn't mean that people don't just jump in and have a good time with it because they still do scale. But the point is, I don't think of fitness as a 12 week program. I think of it as like the rest of your life. Like you're trying to sharpen your exercise toolbox for the rest of your life. Yeah. I, my, I'm getting off topic again, but my girlfriend's in her early thirties and she's had two knee surgeries. And I remember I showed her, she had patella um, dislocation a couple of times over the years. So they had to realign it two different times. Um, yeah, I remember her shoulder, your exercises, and I said, he had knee surgeries, and she just still shakes her head at me, <laughs> unfortunately. Backward walking, that's the place to start, man. It's fundamentally yeah. safe. And if your gym has a sled, backward sled. Some of my biggest fans now hated my guts and thought I was full of shit at first. So it's something to experience doing it correctly, and there's no, like, I would have probably seen my stuff and back when I was struggling and I might've totally resisted it at first. So I, I don't judge what people think about it. I try to show, I try to take extensive time to show the regressions. I'll often even start videos when I could get a more explosive reaction by showing what I can do. But from the moment it hits on the screen, it's showing the lowest level of things. Um, but it's unusual. This this is not the way that people have exercised for the last 50 years. This is not what we've broadly been taught for the last 50 years. If you took any exercise courses in college, you probably saw things that I'm doing with giant red X's over them. I did in college courses that I took without evidence behind why. It was only found that when your knee is over your toe, there's more pressure on your knee. It wasn't found that it was bad. It wasn't found that people had bad results. It was just found that was more pressure. Boom. Depending on how you interpret that data, you can either now avoid a whole field or you can learn a whole field. So it just so happens it took some guy like me who had already hit rock bottom to see what happens if you go try to absolutely master that field. So it's shocking how little that subject has been looked into over the last 50 years and actually how common sense it is. So yeah, that first reaction for someone who has had a lot of pain in that area, it, it might be a tough reaction, but I see it all the time. And I work through this with people who at first thought there's no freaking way that hurts to look at or, you know, this looks like it's full of shit. Hey, I don't I don't blame you. Your your um, your girl might still be a success story one day. <laughs> May I'll tell her that. See if she buys into it. <laughs> You're a success try, story. Try honey. Five minutes. Five minutes yeah, I, I think I could get her to do that. It was more That's of like. It. You know, you're doing your dropping to your knees in a second and bending backwards stretch one. <laughs> she was just like shaking her head at me. That's not in the program. That's an ability achieved because of the program. Yeah. That's the reason I can do all those things is because I never work through pain. I never work through risky things. I only do actually insanely safe progressions. So there's, I don't get the breakdown. I just get the building. Sure. So are there any particular success stories or milestones that your mother has achieved throughout her training? I think I, a big moment for her was just being able to run and deep squat and just be in any position with my kids. 
she's not a self-centered person. Like she, she could probably care less about her personal metrics, but I could just see in her that that was like, that was it. Like that was priceless. So there was no, like, it really made her feel good about the exercise she was doing. And it's just become a part of her life because now she's like, I, you know, she wants to be able to keep up with her grandkids. Uh, not, <laughs> she wants to be able to keep doing that. So for her, I think for her, that's the metric. I think being able to, to keep up with the grandkids and be active and able with them. Um, I haven't, I don't remember any like specific workout metric that she was particularly like, she, she's just not a self-centered person who's going to be like, Hey, I just did this, but I could see it in her face with the grandkids. And I know from talking with her, like that's her primary, like she's got to stay really mobile for them. I know we talked a little before we recorded, but you said your mother still sprints. Is that right? Yeah. She, cause she really liked running when she was younger and I don't know how it came about, but I think she was just like, she felt good. And she was just like seeing what her body could do. And we were rolling the camera and it was like, that was a pretty impressive sprint. <laughs> and so now when she does her sledding, she'll often like then finish with a sprint. Um, and, and of course, if, if the grandkids are around and running around, um, like my, my three-year-old can, can get a good little trot going and she just takes off right running with them. But she, she likes to test herself and actually open up to a full sprint. I don't think that would be something that would be safe to tell the average person to do. But when you're training your strength through flexibility, that something like sprinting becomes a more enjoyable activity. And I think if done in moderation, then... There's certain things where it's just fundamentally safe, like walking backward compared to sprinting. But if you never, ever sprint, is that safer than sprinting every once in a while? I'd say if you are sensible with your body and do a sprint and and work that into your routine every so often, probably safer than not sprinting at all. I don't know. But that's more that's more food for thought. I don't have sprinting like in the program. Yeah, I just I remember seeing that once in a video he yeah, talked about he her sprinting it. yet yeah she regularly sprints so how does nutrition play a role in your mom's journey does did she change any of her diet um strategies i know you personally have but i didn't know if she did or not um i've really tried all kinds of diets over the years and at least 80 percent of the of the, the whole time i've been like rebuilding my knees so what you would consider having success with my knees. Uh, it's been actually like 14 years now that I've been working on this stuff. At least 80% of the time, it's just protein, vegetables, fruit. And like, that's pretty much it. And um, and so she, her and my dad sort of gradually would see changes that I was making. It started with like my dad cutting out Coke and having Diet Coke and then eventually being like, all right, I'll stop having the Diet Coke all the time. And, and they, still, they still enjoy themselves. It's not like they can't, have and enjoy those things once in a while but our general foods are protein vegetables fruit and they they both got better like muscle tone less fat just from doing that now for for them it's probably been like close to a decade now of majorly eating like that um i haven't seen i tried times where i just ate like fast food or ate like regular diets with the joints it seems like if you're even getting some sensible amount of real food, you're going to have enough raw material in there to build. But 
when it comes for the average person, like if you're not just like a natural freak athlete, natural shredded muscles, it does seem like uh, that style of eating tends to work well for keeping excess body fat off and having good muscle tone. So how much that plays into the joints, I'm not too sure exactly, but it would make sense that more real food is going to work better. I'm assuming you probably noticed less inflammation in your knees when you started switching from less processed foods to more whole foods. Yeah, it's hard to say because I had tried eating more this way back when I, my problems were really bad. Back, but this was back before I was trying to do any of this knee ability training when I was mm-hmm. still avoiding the knees. And it so didn't work for my knees that I was actually like really bummed about it and thought, man, this is like, this is bullshit. Like I just kind of... <laughs> out eating like so healthy and then it still doesn't work so i think i think there's going to be a scale of how well it works for people i do think when it comes to the joints i do think exercise is like the senior quality meaning if someone is limiting and avoiding their knees i don't think it matters how good you eat i think that that would be then i think that how good you eat is then going to enhance the results of what you're doing with your body so I kind of asked this question earlier, but I'm wording it a little different. What advice would you give to other older individuals who are looking to start a fitness journey? Yeah, I think I think the number one step of exercise is backward. I think that's the first step of exercise. For anyone, any age, if you're going to start exercising, backward is the first step. So at the lowest, five minutes, three times a week, walk backward. That would be my starting advice, in addition to whatever else you want to add to it. But that to me would be the opening step. Sure. That sounds like good advice. Is there anything I forgot to ask you that you would like to mention? No, I just, you know, by reaching out to me last week, it gave me time to think about it. And I really think that if someone is understanding this concept of adding resistance from the ground, from the floor by dragging a sled or using a treadmill that has resistance, so you're pushing that way by understanding that that's this really safe level where you can get circulation to rehabilitate, you can get stronger, you can get some cardiovascular benefits versus let's say someone just goes for a run or goes through a squat workout. Those things might be fantastic, but they also might break someone down. It's a different way that the force is bearing down on you. So that gives you this really foundational level that you could always do at just about any level. So particularly as someone gets older, that can be a breakthrough versus like, oh, man, I went for a run and now my Achilles hurts. Oh, man, I, I tried to do a squat workout. And now my hip hurts or my knee hurts or something like that. So thinking of it in that in that layering of resist from the ground up sled or, or resisted treadmill. And then what happens when you now are getting stronger through stretch positions? I think that's such a powerful way to exercise and do strength training particularly as we age, because as we age, you're not only losing strength, but you're losing flexibility at the same time. Boom. Now with one exercise and like different styles of these exercises, you're improving both at the same time. And last but not least, did exercise science miss out on anything? Maybe you've been exercising for decades and skipping certain areas without even realizing it because the equipment didn't exist for it. It wasn't taught. It wasn't in the textbooks. And if you put in those three, things just tend to go pretty well. I think it simplifies down exercise. Boom. Get strong, flexible, cardio, no weak links. It seems to, you got a good system on your hands. Yeah, I should, uh, my father is going to be 70 this month and he is very active. He could still jog. Um, 
him and I have he kayaks. He likes being outside skiing. He's uh, we were a few years ago went to the Boundary Waters, and we had such a heavy food pack that he actually carried the canoe by himself over his head. And he's a little guy. Like he's wow. He's like five eight and like one hundred fifty pounds. But wow. I have noticed he's getting more tight and rigid now. So I'm trying yes. to, I think I should have him start doing some backwards walking. Sounds like it. Yeah. Backward walking and, and start studying the lowest levels of some of these strength through length type movements. Cause if someone's already active, you know, maybe the, maybe the cardio portion's already in and maybe they need some more of the strength through length. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting, he, he's, he reads too much on his laptop and he's getting kyphotic kind of. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. It's, yeah, some of these human issues. Yeah, I'm, I'm. If people stay tuned to my page, I think the education of the system is pretty solid. I think the application of it is really lagging because, like, if you walk into a gym and you want to work on my favorite exercise, that ATG split squat, where are you going to do it? There's no stations for it. Go into a gym. There's endless multi-thousand-dollar machines to rigidly pump up muscles, which is fine. I'm not saying there's nothing against that, but where are the stations to get stronger through length? Where are the stations to mobilize? They don't exist. It's not part of the fitness culture. Where are the backward treadmills? Where are the, so you have, even if you have a willingness to do it at this point in time, you're going to have to be, um, you're going to have to have quite a bit of guts and perseverance to apply this stuff because your, your average gym isn't set up for it. No. And luckily my gym is because, uh, I think some of our, um, people that go there started your program years ago and our gym owner always takes in like recommendations. They spend money each year on investments and they say, what do you guys want? And there's a list and we got a cut. We don't have a lot. We have a couple slant boards. We got the wedges as well. Like the rubber wedges. Cool. Uh, I wish we'd get a tib bar, but we don't have that. (laughs) Well, think about this Think about this. Your gym probably has a seated calf machine, right? Yeah, no, it has that. Yeah, right, but it doesn't have a seated tip machine. It no. should. It's the same function on the other side. You have tricep and you have bicep, but all of a sudden we go down the calf. Whoops, we missed the other side of the calf. You have seated calf machines. There's actually no such thing as a seated tip machine that has the seat and everything, just like a seated calf machine. I had to make that. Uh, so Sornex now makes. So maybe your gym will get one next year, but Sornex now makes a seated tip machine. It looks just like a seated calf machine, but for the other side of the ankle. So that's just an example. They're like, even if you have the willingness. The user friendliness is not set up. Things like this, as simple as this is, like these sort of mobility stations to work on split squats. I know from coaching these for over a decade now, it's a hassle to set up regressions for split squats without something like that. Here's one last one to leave you with. Almost 100 years ago, incredible back results were coming from rounded benches, not flat benches, rounded benches, like half dome padded benches. People were laying back and lifting weights. So so you talk about like the modern posture. This is one of the most common sense things we could do. But you walk into your gym. We need rounded benches, man. Everyone's getting hunched over. The scene is not set up for the reality of what we need. So that's another thing I already have being made is like rounded benches. Like we just need rounded benches to work and, and stretch back and do pullovers that way. So that's kind of what I mean is whatever, like someone has to realize it's going to take a lot of perseverance now to apply this stuff versus when you walk in and there's the same level of user friendliness for mobility and joints and spine that there is for pumping up a muscle i've never thought of a rounded bench i mean i've seen people do it on like a ball but obviously the stability factor isn't there yeah not set up nope it needs to be just the same user friendliness of a bench and it needs to be rounded 
it feels unbelievable. Sure. Well, thank you for joining us today. Do you want to mention again where people can find you at? Yes, really appreciate you. Um, thanks to anyone for listening along and bearing with, you know, almost everything I'm talking about is like goes is either odd or goes literally against what we've broadly been taught. So I appreciate you giving me a chance if you've listened this far. And yeah, knees over toes guy on YouTube. I think it's the best place to soak up knowledge because there's nothing held back there. If you or someone you know likes to read, Knee Ability Zero is a great place to start on Amazon. Um, yeah, I think those are the best places to start. Perfect. Well, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you.